Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are beginning our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right, if you are joining us for the first time or you are already a part of the Ready crew, we are setting sail today through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. And with the second season, we get a new animation style. Uh, Gone are the traditional animation uh, of the first season of Spongebob Squarepants. Here we are on computers digitally being animated for the very first time. And with the new changes of season two of Spongebob, we move on to the new changes of I'm Ready, a Spongebob Squarecast. There are three changes I am proud to bring you as we continue uh, this adventure with each other. The first of those changes is a new mailbag segment at the end of every single episode of this show. If you would like to write in and have your question or comment read on the snail mail bag, you can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com. That is U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. Uh, if you have questions about SpongeBob, if you have questions about Nickelodeon, anything you'd like to know or anything you'd like to point out, something I missed, uh, a correction to something I've said or a different opinion of something that I've said, Email me in the snail mailbox and I'll make sure to read that out. I reached out to a few longtime fans that I've had around the country and asked them to just, hey, what are, what are some just first questions you'd like me to read on the inaugural snail mailbox? And I'll get to those right at the end of the episode. Uh, another change that is going on in terms of interviewing guests and when I bring guests on throughout the very first season, when I had a, a guest on or somebody I was interviewing, I would usually spend the first half of the episode talking with the guest, learning about their life, taking a break. And then during that break, we would watch the SpongeBob episode together, and then we would record about that SpongeBob episode. Through season two, I am changing that formula up, and this is a change that I, I talked with a few fans out there to get their feedback about this, and most agree that this is at least worth trying out. So anytime I have a guest on the show, we will be watching the episode first and then immediately going into recording the podcast. So the, the beginning part of the conversation will be more SpongeBob-centric, where we'll talk about the episode at hand, point out some of the pieces of trivia for that episode, and then let the conversation kind of bleed out from there. And of course, before there are the, the entire episode ends, we will get to the mailbag, which will be more SpongeBob uh, animation Nickelodeon centric. So that's kind of the trade off there. I'd like to have more free flowing conversations so that it's a little bit more enjoyable for myself, but then also for you listening. And of course, nothing is is really set in stone. If it's something that um, that you have feedback on. Th that's why I opened up that email address. So even for things about the show that you don't even want read, you just want things for me to read, send it over to snailmail at euphonics.com. As for the third change, we're going to go right into it because it is a big part of today's episode. This week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. 
This week in Nickelodeon history is a big week. We have a lot to cover, so I, I don't want to waste much time, but I do want to let you know that my research for this segment is finite. So if I, uh, I'm only really going to be trying to get big items, big episodes of shows, big moments and dates in a show's history, video game releases, things like that. If I miss something that you'd think I should have mentioned Right, email me once again at the snail mail email because I would uh, definitely like to talk about things that you guys are into or you things that you think I should have talked about. Anyway, on to the moments. Now we have a lot to go over because when I started this, I was like, all right, you know what? What things have popped up during this week of December between December sixth and December twelfth? And boy, was my plate filled. When I initially tried to talk about this, it took way too long. And we're going to I'm going to be here all night if I talk about all of these things in detail. So for a lot of these things, I'm just going to give you a very quick thoughts of uh, and for others, I'm just going to kind of quickly move past to let you know. Uh, that they existed and that they happened this week uh, because we have a lot of Christmas-centric stuff coming up. Uh, just like the first thing we're going to talk about is 28 years ago on December 6th, 1992, we had the Rugrats episode, uh, the Santa Experience, the, one of the better Nickelodeon Christmas specials, a very fun Rugrats Christmas special. They would have a few more throughout their entire run, holiday-themed or Christmas-themed episodes. Of course, Rugrats is, is more well-known for the big Hanukkah special they have and even the Kwanzaa special they had so uh, this one really stands above the pack and it's honestly probably the first Christmas special I can remember watching Uh, but definitely check it out add it to your add to your Christmas repertoire Uh, the the Santa experience is one of the ones I would highly recommend Uh, next to it 27 years ago this week on December 12th 1993 we had uh, the Doug Christmas special Doug's Christmas story Let me just tell you, in the realm of Nickelodeon Christmas specials, Doug's comes out of complete left field on its subject matter. It is not a hold your hand Christmas special. It actually deals with something kind of dark with pork chop that I'm not going to spoil if you've never seen it. Uh, I think Doug at the Nickelodeon run is still available on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, definitely go check that out. Uh, if not, I'm sure it's going to be available on Paramount Plus next year. At least the, that will definitely the Nickelodeon run. The The Disney version is, is very much available on Disney Plus. Uh, but yeah, Doug's Christmas Story, uh, one of the real shining lights of that whole show, because I think people would expect Doug to have a pretty kind of plain Jane Christmas story, and they definitely don't do that. So give Doug's Christmas Story a watch. 23 years ago this week, Our Real Monsters had its last episode on December 6th, 1997. Uh, in my opinion, one of the more underrated Nicktoons out there. Uh, Aurel Monsters really kept my attention throughout the 90s, and even though it wasn't my one of my favorite shows, I really enjoyed it, and I feel like it should be talked about a little bit more, but it's a shame that it isn't. Uh, of course, the final episode uh, was comprised of Laugh, Crumb, Laugh, and the actual final new episode we would ever see, Rookie Monsters. Um I don't remember those episodes at all. I certainly would love to revisit and go back and watch all the episodes in order. Uh, but that'll come probably later once once I catch up with SpongeBob episodes of this podcast and I'm running out of things. Maybe I'll move on to Auro Monsters. 
but along with Auro Monsters, 21 years ago, we watched the final episode of the original incarnation of Figure It Out. Figure It Out, for those that don't know, was a game show by Nickelodeon in which they would have a kid come onto the show with a unique skill or who owns something really unique. The audience would get to know what this action is or this thing that they own or this thing that they do. Um, and the show would have four guest panelists try to guess the the action or what it is. And there would be a board, Billy the Answer Head, who would have all of the words covered. If you happen to say one of the words that are on the board, it would there'd be this big trumpet sound and it would reveal to the to everybody. And you'd have to try to guess. And there was different rounds. Uh, not I mean. Honestly, I remember the show because of the the really fun moments, and I loved the secret slime action. Every episode, there would be a secret slime action that if any of the contestants did the action, they would get slimed. Sometimes repeatedly. Sometimes you would just get constantly slimed because sometimes they would just make the secret slime action super specific to somebody like the episode that Steve Burns was on Steve from Blue's Clues the secret slime action was owning a blue dog yeah no one else was going to get slimed during that except for Steve uh, so when those moments would happen that was a lot of the fun for me but there would be a lot of episodes and I'm sure you could probably think of some where the kids they would bring on would have really like really bizarre th reasons why they were there like drinking milk through their nose or something. I felt like sometimes it was a bit of a reach with that show. Uh, but yeah, it aired its final episode on uh, December 12th, 1999. It was eventually revived in 2012 to 2013, uh, but clearly couldn't capture the same magic of the original. 20 years ago this week, SpongeBob aired its first Christmas special, Christmas Who. I'm not going to go into grave detail about this because eventually we're going to get to that episode this season. But it is one of the best Christmas specials of all time. It is certainly one of the best Nickelodeon Christmas specials of all time. And it's one of my favorite SpongeBob episodes in general. I love Christmas Who. Uh, everything about that episode, every joke about that episode, I, I, I love it to love it to death. It's one of the, the highlights. And uh, I'll It'll never get old watching that around the Christmas season. 19 years ago this week, Fairly Odd Parents aired its episode Christmas Every Day on December 9th, 2001. Uh, one of the best Christmas specials. Again, Nickelodeon knocking it out of the park. Having Timmy wish for Christmas every day, it was a no-brainer. It was a great it was a great setup, and I think the way they handled it was fantastic as well. I thought all around it's a fantastic Christmas episode. Along with that, we also had the As Told by Ginger Christmas episode and even Stephen Holiday special on December 10th, 2001. Now, it's an it's honestly a Christmas special I don't remember watching. I definitely have to have watched it at some point. Uh, but even reading the uh, episode description here, Ginger discovers that she's one-fourth Jewish. She decides to celebrate with a Hanukkah party and turns her back on Dodie's Christmas party, which upsets Dodie. Rightfully so, Dodie. I'm with you there. She then decides to throw a party as an even Stephen holiday party. Meanwhile, Hoodsy finds out that the reason Carl doesn't believe in Santa Claus is because he used to wish that his father would come home for Christmas, and he never did. Hoodsy tells a street corner Santa, who happens to be Carl's dad, about this issue, and Jonas decides to finally pay his family a visit. Uh, 
seems like a lot of heavy stuff happened in that episode. So I honestly might rewatch that and get back to you and let you know what I think about it right now. But uh, as told by Ginger, did not catch my attention for a while. It wasn't even until really the second season that I got heavily into as told by Ginger. So I kind of missed this whole first season here. But uh, I'll make it up. I'll make it up one of these days. I'll have to rewatch it. 18 years ago this week, we not only got the last episode of Invader Zim on December 10th, 2002, but it was also the Christmas episode. I can't believe that they ended off on the Christmas episode. I mean, I'm glad they did. I, I absolutely love Invader Zim, uh, and it's certainly in the realm of most misused Nicktoons. It is the king. It is it is the cult head of the table when it comes to misused Nicktoons. Uh, Invader Zim, definitely one of the shortest runs when it ended of any Nicktoon up to that point, uh, with only 27 episodes in two seasons. Most of those episodes in the second season didn't even get to air on television until 2006 on the Nicktoons network. Nickelodeon had these episodes just sitting there and d didn't air them. I, I mean, we could go down the laundry list of the mistakes they made with Invader Zim, but you know, if they didn't make those mistakes, who knows how beloved Zim then becomes. You know, if Zim goes on for four or five seasons, does it still have the same staying power that it does now? I don't know. I can't answer that question. So in kind of some ways, you have to be happy that Nickelodeon misused Zim because it just helped fuel that fire that was under the fan base. But as far as the most horrible Xmas ever, I gotta say it's one of my favorite Invader Zim episodes. It, I love when Christmas specials. I, I I love when Christmas specials go an alternate route than what you would expect. But even on the episodes where something happens, you do expect. It, it's a nice feeling. But. Man, when a Christmas special can just go left field, that's when I can really appreciate it. And I, I appreciate Invader Zim uh, because of that. Also, 18 years ago, not to not to crowd over Invader Zim, but the Rugrats aired their second Christmas special, Babes in Toyland, on December 12th, 2002. 17 years ago, we had Jimmy Neutron's holiday special, Holly Jolly Jimmy, on December 8th, 2003, and Blue's first holiday on December 12th, 2003. Both really fantastic Christmas specials. I especially love uh, Holly Jolly Jimmy because it gives Jimmy a chance to really be the antagonist. And, and really come around to the idea of Santa Claus throughout the episode uh, because, man, is he a jerk throughout that entire episode. And it really he really gets his comeuppings a little bit. Uh, but then I, I honestly I threw Blue's Clues on here because I really think Blue's First Holiday is an excellent episode of the show. Uh, I, I watched it a few years ago. I'd never watched it when it was fresh. But when I found out that it was a show about baby Blue and young Steve and young Joe and their Christmas together, it it was very heartwarming to watch, so I definitely recommend it, especially if you have a younger kid. Uh, I don't think they need to really know Blue's Clues to be able to enjoy that Christmas special. 16 years ago, we had a trifecta uh, this week in 2004. We had the all-grown-up Christmas special, A Finster Who Stole Christmas, on December 7th. 2004 the uh, my life as a teenage robot uh christmas special a robot for all seasons on december 8th 
2004, and the Chalk Zone Christmas special on December 9th, 2004, when Santas collide. Now, out of the three of those, shout out to my man Colin. When I told him about this segment and I brought up Chalk Zone, he talked about that Christmas special. He says it was, I think, life-changing or it was a big episode. I definitely remember that but the 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 one out of those three that really stands out to me is my life as a teenage robot you need to understand like i had mentioned i love when shows go in the left field route for their christmas specials and my life as a teenage robot uh definitely not only went left field but they made a show an episode that i adore door i am not the biggest my life as a teenage robot fan and i definitely think it was mishandled especially by the end of its run uh but a uh it's christmas special for me really knocked it out of the park uh it's an episode in which jenny the main character gets kidnapped by a kid named todd sweeney and for a year of her life without her knowing is forced to destroy every single holiday uh, on Valentine's Day, on St. Patrick's Day. So by the time she wakes up a year later and realizes all of the destruction she's caused, it, it's it's a story you never would have thought that, that a kid's show would do. It's crazy. I'm not going to spoil it or what happens in the end, but... Uh, if you've never seen a robot for all seasons, please go out of your way and watch it. I think it's an enjoyable episode and definitely an enjoyable Christmas episode. 15 years ago, we had the Danny Phantom Christmas special, A Fight Before Christmas, on December 6th, 2005. I'm a massive Danny Phantom fan. You have Will Arnett as the ghost writer, who is definitely a formidable foe. They found a way to really bring the holiday season into Danny Phantom. It works so well. Can't say enough good things, enough good things about it. I absolutely love it. Uh, Twelve years ago, we had the Rugrats Preschool Days air its final episode on December seventh, two thousand eight, and we also had the Fairly Odd Parents with their second Christmas special, Merry Wishmas, on December twelfth. 2008. For those that don't know what the Rugrats preschool days are, at some point in 2001, it was announced that there was going to be a spinoff of Rugrats called Angelica and Susie's Preschool Days. It would deal with Angelica and Susie in preschool. Uh, Of course, this initially was made as a 13-episode show, but eventually was bumped down to four television specials with the final one airing December 7th, 2008. Um, This show is super weird. It has a different art style, a different feel to it. They definitely didn't put 100% of their effort into it because at the time, that's when they were really cranking out all grown up and uh, preschool days definitely sat on the back burner as far as creativity goes. Uh, I really think it shouldn't have been made at all. If I'm being perfectly honest, it it, kind of just stands out really bizarrely and I don't have anything good to say about it, honestly. So we're going to move on. Uh, 11 years ago, the Fresh Beat Band aired its final episode. Uh, this was out of my demographic. I was definitely not watching Nick Jr. at the time, but uh, but this was one of the big moments that happened. And apparently this was a massive show. 60 episodes, one standalone special. Kudos to the Fresh Beat Band. They had a great run. Looks like they uh, they did pretty well. They had some albums that were released, or at least... 
one album was released. They had some DVDs released. Good for them. But yeah, their final episode aired uh, 11 years ago. I'm sure that's going to shock some uh, some kids there. And then four years ago, on December 9th, 2016, Nickelodeon aired its very first original animated TV movie, Albert, starring one of my favorite comedians out there, Bobby Moynihan, as a uh, as a kind of small crappy douglas fir tree going on an adventure to become a christmas tree uh it's cutesy i've seen it once and i don't i remember thinking it was cute i don't know if i liked it or not uh but hey it's it's the nickelodeon's first original animated tv movie so that that's makes it stand above the rest in my opinion magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. All right, and welcome back to the show. Now, we got all of that Nickelodeon out of the way. Now it's time to get into SpongeBob. And here we are at the beginning of Season 2 with the episode, Your Shoes Untied. Now, I've seen this episode so many times, so I'm not going to have to watch it before starting. But I, I would recommend, even though I'm going to be... Uh, commentating over the episode here, I have a bunch of things to talk about. I recommend watching this episode on your own. It brings me such joy. It brings me such laughter. I love so many parts of this episode. And there was a reason why originally this episode was actually going to be my first live episode with an audience and with a very special guest that I'm going to be holding off until later in the season when I can, when we can actually have a live show, um, because I don't want to spoil things like that. But, uh, the second I can have a crowd, uh, and, and we can have an enjoyable night of, of talking and SpongeBob and stories. Um, I'm going to hold that off, but your Shoes Untied is a, is a massive moment for Spongebob. Uh, a lot of shows really suffer during their second season. It's called the sophomore slump in entertainment. But man, did season two come out of the gate swinging. Because not only is this a fantastic episode for its jokes and humor, it ends on a fantastic song and is one of my favorite Spongebob songs is Loop De Loop by Ween. Um, I, I remember having that very first Spongebob CD. The second I saw it in Walmart, I, I purchased it and I 
listen probably the most listened to song on that cd other than the theme was loop de loop i i just there's something about that song that is so enjoyable and having ween sing it is perfect because i think they're one of those bands that that are just totally like they are meant for spongebob like it fits so well and i and i hold that song in my heart dearly uh hopefully i mean one of the things having the live audience was being able to sing that song live with everybody uh hopefully <laughs> i can do that again at some point in my life uh but you guys are just gonna have to deal with me here talking about it so if you would like to follow along i am watching the episode off of amazon prime if you have it on dvd if you have it on game boy advance video by all means get the uh, episode pulled up uh, and we will start right at the beginning of the theme song right now um this everything this opening joke of this episode is is one of my favorite jokes in spongebob history and i don't know why that is i don't know if it's because it's one of also the most inappropriate when you kind of think about it uh but there's just something about that joke that has always made me laugh, uh, where SpongeBob is watching a sea anemone dance and uh, to, to some really fun sounding music. And then Gary walks in and he was actually looking for the sports channel. What were you thinking he was watching, Gary? I, look, I'm, I'm not going to explain the joke here. If you're an adult, you can appreciate the the joke if you're a kid it's just funny to see spongebob switch over to realistic sports and i don't even know what he was what team he was watching i don't know if it was the new york giants or just some random uh football team that he switches to i'm gonna have to look at it again here uh yeah see that team it looks like the patriots uh like old school away jerseys or their home jerseys i think was the white but uh, it certainly is not that um, but I love how on Encyclopedia Spongebobia, which I, I do get a lot of my information from, a lot of those like finite, really quick details. Uh, for example, did you know that the shoes that Patrick just showed off are basically con uh, navy blue high top Converse All-Stars? I didn't know that. I mean, they definitely reminded me of Converse, but I, I didn't know the, the specifics there. Uh, but... Yeah, so they list the human football players as as debuting uh, in this episode. Uh, the human football players are a team of football players who appear on the sports channel playing football. They appear in the episodes Your Shoes Untied, The Sponge Who Can Fly, and Spin the Bottle. Uh, let's see, the football players are teams of humans who wear regular football uniforms. Uh, in Your Shoes Untied, one team, the Tampa Bay Bandits, wear white colored uniforms while the other team, the Houston Gamblers, wear black. So there we go. The Tampa Bay Bandits and the Houston Gamblers. Man, I would love imagine being one of those football players and and just see you know, watching SpongeBob with your kids and quickly seeing what might be you on the screen. That would probably I mean that would blow my mind if I was just watching SpongeBob and uh SpongeBob randomly was watching me for a second i would feel so honored but uh but i i wonder if those football players even know that they're on an episode of spongebob somebody should track someone down on that team and just be like hey do you know you're in this you're in this episode uh your shoes untied so getting into the show here um the the crux of this episode is patrick walking in with his shoes 
SpongeBob telling him that he should wear shoes on his feet. Patrick telling him, unfortunately, I don't know how to tie shoes. And we come to the realization that even though SpongeBob is wearing shoes, he's actually always worn shoes, according to him, and never had a time where he took his shoes off, even though we've seen him take his shoes off on plenty of episodes. But we definitely have never seen him tie his shoes. And this is where a lot of the comedy in this episode comes from. To me, it's one of the most accessible episodes of SpongeBob because it's it's something that anybody can relate to. Kids can relate to it and adults can relate knowing that at one point in their life they they found a uh found it very difficult to tie their shoes or at least you can have that conversation with somebody, you know, when was the first time you remember tying your shoes or did you have a difficult time? Did you get it fairly quickly? I wonder if there's somebody out there who is able to learn how to tie their shoes the first time their parents ever showed them and they never even needed Velcro because I needed to use Velcro for a couple of years because tying your shoes was difficult to me and now I'm a master at it. So I haven't touched Velcro since, but, uh, I, I love SpongeBob's idea that he, he slams his feet into the floorboards and then just has to break up the floor to get to the kitchen. It, it's just these like really I, I really felt like they properly uh, kind of weighed the comedy here. There's a lot of physical comedy and then there's these these really fun, smart moments like in the beginning of the episode. Uh, but we had a we have a good group here. Uh, by the way, definitely just want to mention uh, since we missed this was the first episode to ever have five opening credit titles. And I want to give credit to the writers here: Walt Dorn, Paul Tibbet, and Meriwether Williams. Massive work here, guys. Uh, we have our usual uh, who's who of working on SpongeBob here: Derek Dryman, of course, Tom Yasumi, Chris Hedrick, Eric Weiss, Paul Tibbet, Walt Dorn, Meriwether Williams. Wonderful job, everybody. And, of course, we have our guest star, Brian Doyle Murray, returning as the Flying Dutchman in this episode, which is is one of my favorite Flying Dutchman moments. I, I love so much about this episode. But anyway, here we have a very weird moment in which they decided that the Krusty Krab grill, which is usually right under Squidward, be moved to the other side of the kitchen. Now, we've seen this done a few times. Usually, the Krusty Krab's kitchen is kind of changed depending on what the story needs. So, of course, in this story, they need this whole comedy bit of SpongeBob shuffling his feet over to the other side of the kitchen to try to bring Squidward a Krabby Patty, when normally he just has to hand it to him because the stove was right under the window. Um, it's for sometimes sometimes continuity like that can be bothersome when they change something up for convenience but the joke here is so well executed the amount of time it takes for spongebob to to get over to the window and you think he's making traction when he barely has made a step or two it it's worth kind of looking past the fact that they just rearranged the kitchen for this episode you can forgive it i don't think if the joke was as good or as well executed, it would it would be as forgivable. It'd be more like a click. Come on, why'd you why'd you move around the kitchen for this? But this whole sequence is hilarious. So I'm glad that they moved around the kitchen. Um, this is apparently Eric Weiss's first episode as a storyboard director 
instead of a storyboard artist. So good for him on the upgrade there. This is also Walt Dorn's very first episode. I had, uh, had no idea about that. So thank you, Walt. Your your mark has definitely been met here on SpongeBob. Um, but now we're coming up to where SpongeBob is now admitting defeat. He was trying to stay positive throughout the day of uh, of being able to kind of work around the fact that his shoes were untied. But now we finally have him realize that he, he can't, you know, can't go on with with untied shoes. And I love the joke here with Mr. Krabs and the <laughs> coming out in his underwear and like, oh, yeah, we are definitely leaving. Um, I actually watched a, a separate season two episode the other day, and it also involved Mr. Krabs being in the bathroom. And I'm like, uh oh, he's going to be coming out in his underwear and completely uh, remembered the wrong scene. It was just the fact that it was very similar and was going to have Mr. Krabs storm out of the out of the bathroom. But he happened to have at least put his pants on. Um of course, this is also the first episode which the title card is written in cursive. This is, of course, as I've mentioned many times, the first episode to use digital ink and paint in the production. Uh, and then this is also the first episode where Painty the Pirate appears outside of the of the theme song, which I always loved that joke. Here we have SpongeBob really trying to find somebody who who could help him tie his shoes. We we met an eel right there in the Krusty Krab. We get some jellyfish. We, we get some uh, really weird creatures here. And, of, of course, SpongeBob even asking a skeleton that is in this sea monster. And here we have our friend Painty the Pirate. And I absolutely love Painty. I love that moment. I love that joke. And here we have one of my favorite side characters, the Flying Dutchman, voiced by the incomparable brian doyle murray uh for those that don't know joining us for the first time brian doyle murray is the brother of uh the world famous bill murray but brian doyle murray has had a, a nice career himself uh pretty much outside of of his brother's shadow uh, he's appeared in big movies like ghostbusters 2 wayne's world he's been on shows like married with children movies like groundhog day he appeared alongside his brother but he's had a, an incredible uh voice acting career too that has touched a lot of shows uh king of the hill of course spongebob with the flying dutchman um buzz lightyear of star command jackie chan adventures so he he is a very a hard-working guy. I see Adventure Time on here. He was in Fish Hooks. Um, of course, appeared in shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Constantly working. What a wonderful character actor. And he does a wonderful job here, of course, as the Flying Dutchman. But we have the monkey chain, the monkey's fist, the monkey! And, of course, um, the, uh, the loop knot, otherwise known as the poop loop. One of... <laughs> just it, it's such a silly little joke and you would think only appeals to kids but here i am laughing at it i absolutely i i love the poop loop i'm a fan of the poop loop and if someone could could make that happen if there was a way to learn how to do that i would absolutely learn how to do it just to <laughs> just to annoy people or just to be able to to do the poop loop noise uh, through a rope but yeah he just shows up apparently the world dutchman is really good at making knots but just for the life of him can't tie shoes um 
personally, I think once you learn how to tie shoes, it's it's like riding a bike. You never really forget. Like once you learn that skill, you don't ever forget. But I really feel bad for SpongeBob in this episode. Um, he really tries hard to tie his shoes, but isn't really taught until Gary comes out of nowhere and is the one to not only tie his shoes, but also teach him how to tie shoes with the help of Ween, uh, which here we are with the loop-de-loop song, absolutely one of my favorite songs in SpongeBob history. He's honestly, honestly, and this is a hot take here, easily top five. It's just the energy of that song, the life of that song. Uh, it can be informative. Like, I wonder how many kids out there learned how to tie their shoes through the use of the loop-de-loop song. You go over and back, left to right, loop-de-loop, pull them tight. Come on now. Um, I, yeah, I can't I can't overstate how much I absolutely love the loop-de-loop song. And uh, I, I hope Ween plays that live because if I ever get a chance to see Ween live, I'm definitely going to yell, loop-de-loop, come on, play it. Play the loop-de-loop song. And they probably they probably haven't played it since that time. Who knows? But if any Ween fans out there can tell me if they've played that song live, it would definitely make me want to go see them more, uh, more than I already do to see that song. But that was Your Shoes Untied. What a great start to season two. Not only do you have a way to kind of explore more characters of the show uh, in, in SpongeBob kind of running around finding someone to tie his shoes. You get to bring back the Flying Dutchman. You get really good moments with Patrick, Squidward, Mr. Krabs. Everybody pretty much gets to shine here in this episode, except for Sandy. A few other side characters, Mrs. Puff, what really wasn't a part of the episode. But it's a really wonderful start to season two and sets the stage for these next two seasons and kind of the comedy they're they're looking for and the way things were going to be structured. It's certainly a bit of a change from season one in that regard but we're all up here from uh, uphill from now like we're we're constantly rising with this show and it's going to be fun to explore all that with you guys now on to the snail mailbag this is our brand new segment here on the show um, opening up the snail mailbag to any fans out there to write in your questions, your comments, things I missed, things you want me to know about the show, anything you'd like. You can email me your questions, comments, concerns at snailmail at euphonics.com. So for this first one, obviously, the email address was not set up. So I reached out to a few fans to write me some questions that they would like me to read on the air for this introduction of the snail mail bag. So I want to thank the uh, the three fans out there who helped me out with this. Uh, thank you. I, I am very grateful for the fact that you were able to give me these questions on such short notice. We're going to start out here with my buddy Alan from Washington, who wrote to me, out of all of the Nicktoons to not have movies, which one would you like to see? Now, there were two ways I took this question. The The first way was, well, out of all of the Nicktoons to not have a TV movie or theatrical movie, which one would I like to see? But then there was also that idea of the theatrical, which Nicktoon that didn't have a theatrical movie would I like to see. So even though I, I'm sure he meant the first one, I'm going to answer both. 
out of all of the Nicktoons to not have any sort of TV movie or theatrical movie, it's a, it's a very small list at this point. Uh, but it's actually one we talked about earlier in the show, Ah Real Monsters. For all of the shows that did not have an extra special long episode or a TV movie or a theatrical movie, I would love to see something done with Ah Real Monsters. I think, especially if they did one now... With the way technology works, everyone has a camera in their pocket. How can the monsters survive in this world? I would like to see that done. Uh, but out of the movies, out of the shows that never got a theatrical movie, I think The Fairly Odd Parents is the one that really deserved a theatrical movie. And it's really weird because when everybody talks about the best Fairly Odd Parents movies, 90% of people go right to Channel Chasers, and as much as I love Channel Chasers, it works as a TV movie. I really think Abracatastrophe, their first TV movie, would work the best in a theatrical setting. It's got, uh, it's got a lot of humor. It's got a great story. The stakes are the highest they've ever been. They introduced the anniversary muffin, the, the muffin that could give you a rule-free wish. What? And and Crocker eventually gets it and runs the world. It, it's a massive idea that I know that there were plans for a theatrical Fairly Odd Parents movie, and I wonder if the elements of Abracatastrophe were were based on that, or if the movie was planned after that movie. Because I I Butch Hartman has talked about it a few times, but he's never actually opened up about what the story for the theatrical movie would have been. But yeah, I, I, Abercatastrophe would have worked really well on the big screen. Uh, so that was a question from Alan. Brenda from Toronto, up north. Gotta love Canada up there. I gotta go back right when uh, this pandemic uh, kind of subsides. Which SpongeBob video game would you like to see remade now that they've touched up Battle for Bikini Bottom? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously the SpongeBob SquarePants movie game. And I think that would make the most sense since they could just, you know, they just redid these models for Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. You can absolutely reuse all of those models and so many assets from that game. It would be a lot easier. But the other game that came to mind other than Nicktoons Unite was, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants Lights Camera Pants, the, um... Like the the mini game battle mode ga game that came out, uh, I think two thousand five. Uh, really fun multiplayer games. They were definitely kind of leaning towards Mario Party esque, but they were kind of fleshed out a bit more than that. They weren't like quick thirty second minute long mini games. They would they would get substantially harder. And especially the I loved the mini games that you were on a team with somebody else against another team of two or two computers. It was certainly a fun game and and I think if it was remade and tweaked a little bit it would it would be a nice wonderful surprise for most people who haven't played it. Uh, but that's my that's my answer for that. And uh, to round us off here we have Trent from Vermont. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be considered episodes of your show, but what are your thoughts on the two stop motion SpongeBob specials? Um, I actually, they are planned in line with the episodes of the show. Kind of like when I do episodes of the video games, they'll be released kind of when they were released, you know, when the dates of those episodes came out. Uh, and now we're talking about uh, it's a SpongeBob Christmas and Legends of Bukini Bottom. I think they're, 
I like that they exist. I think some of the content in those specials aren't the best SpongeBob quality, but uh, especially the SpongeBob Christmas, it, it's a wonderful little special. And I like that it aired outside of Nickelodeon. I think it aired on ABC or CBS during their holiday season. And that kind of felt really cool to have this SpongeBob special air on, on a big network television station. It kind of felt like all eyes in the country were on SpongeBob that night. Uh, the fact that it's stop motion. I mean, the, the, the stop motion effects look absolutely fantastic, except for Mrs. Puff, who was a, who was a little bit lacking. But as far as the main characters of the show, they captured their likeness extremely well in a stop motion way. And and they're just they're they're cute little specials. I enjoy them. I think they're wonderful to watch around their respective holidays. They they should be kind of added in if you are like me and you kind of plan out your month of different holiday specials to watch, uh, especially for Christmas and Halloween. But yeah, add those in. I I've always enjoyed them. Uh, I, I love the work that went into them, and I would love to see more little offbeat specials like that of different animation styles if they ever try to do anything more like that but uh but yeah i would love to see a third one and i wonder what holiday they would tackle next i mean christmas and halloween are the biggest ones but would you do you think like a, a stop motion valentine's day special would be just as good or maybe something with easter in bikini bottom i don't know that would be really interesting but that is the that is the snail mail bag for this week the snail mail box i haven't decided whether or not it's a box or a bag but once again if you want to have a question answered on the show i can't stress enough write me whatever you'd like uh, of course content helps keep the show out uh so snail mail at euphonics.com i can't i can't wait to hear what more questions you guys have or what you'd like to know my opinions on but that is this week's episode of the Squarecast. thank you for joining me thank you for being a part of the ready crew any way that you can see supporting this show whether or not it's sharing a link of an episode sharing the various links to our youtube channel our facebook page our instagram page giving us a shout out sending an email into the snail mail email i promise not to talk about it more in this episode but i'm going to be pushing it hard so get ready but thank you for everything you do if you're new to us welcome to the ready crew and we will see you next time here on the sponge pod squarecast I'm ready. magic conj will i ever get to meet tom kenny Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. <laughs>